We are recording this podcast on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We wish to pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and extend our respects to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening. My name is Priscilla. And my name is Elise. Welcome to Novel Feelings, where we discuss representations of mental health issues in fiction novels. Quick reminder that we are trained psychologists, but this podcast is not therapeutic advice. We're also speaking today as psychologists and book lovers, not necessarily as people with the lived experiences we'll be covering today. Our voices are limited, but once again, we will be discussing and including some of these voices and opinions at the end of the episode. And today we are reviewing Helen Hong's The Kiss Question. A quick note that we are a spoiler podcast, so we will be spoiling what happens in The Kiss Quotient, but we won't be spoiling any of the other books by this author. So about the author, Helen Hong is that shy person who never talks until she does, and the worst things fly out of her mouth. She read her first romance novel in eighth grade and has been addicted ever since. In 2016, she was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder in line with what was previously known as Asperger's syndrome. Her journey inspired The Kiss Quotient. She currently lives in San Diego, California with her husband, two kids and pet fish. You can learn more about the author at www.helenhong.com. And a little bit about the book. Stella Lane thinks mathematics is the only thing that unites the universe. She comes up with algorithms to predict customer purchases, a job that has given her more money than she knows what to do with and far less experience in the dating department than the average 30-year-old. It doesn't help that Stella has Asperger's and French kissing reminds her of a shark getting its teeth cleaned by pilot fish. Her conclusion? She needs lots of practice with a professional, which is why she hires escort Michael Fenn. Gorgeous and conflicted, Michael can't afford to turn down Stella's offer and agrees to help her check off all the boxes on her lesson plan, from foreplay to more than missionary position. Before long, Stella not only learns to appreciate his kisses, but to crave all of the other things he's making her feel. Their no-nonsense partnership starts making a strange kind of sense, and the pattern that emerges will convince Stella that love is the best kind of logic. So romantic. I know. (laughs) So... Why did we choose this book for this podcast? This one was my idea. I love this book and I will recommend (laughs) it to anyone looking for a romance novel. (laughs) Spoilers about Priscilla's feelings about this book. You encouraged me to read this before we even decided to cover this for the podcast. And it was only after I'd read the book and we were talking about it that we decided that it would be appropriate to cover for an episode. Yeah, the kiss question has an unvoiced representation of autism spectrum disorder, specifically what's known formerly as Asperger's, and that's not commonly found in a romance novel as far as I know. Mm. No, I don't think I've ever come across another book, at least with an an own voices representation of autism spectrum disorder for romance. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it's quite unique in that way. Girls and women on the autism spectrum are not as understood in the general population as boys and men. The diagnostic criteria that we have for autism spectrum disorder were drawn based on research of boys, as far as I can remember. 
girls and women on the spectrum are often either misdiagnosed or diagnosed quite late in life with autism. Mm. And that was the experience for Helen Hong as well, wasn't it? It was her daughter that was first picked up for being on the spectrum. When she was doing research about what that meant, she realized that a lot of the characteristics apply to her as well. And she's spoken as well about how her experience informed her writing. So there's an interview with The Mighty that she did where she said, I had two goals when I wrote Stella, Stella being the main character. I wanted to offer a peek into the mind of an autistic woman and show that while her thought processes may be slightly different, she still has the same fundamental needs and desires as anyone else. And I hope to bring extra awareness to the existence and underdiagnosis of autism in women. And she also said... I was pursuing an autism diagnosis while I was well, I worked on this book. And writing Stella helped me explore aspects of myself I'd always hidden and never understood. Difficulty with relationships and intimacy, all-consuming interests, social awkwardness, routines, repetitive motions, etc. Beyond that, her insecurities with regards to her label are also mine. This book and Stella helped me embrace my differences and find the courage to share my diagnosis with my loved ones. A lot of people with autism spectrum disorder, which I think we'll we'll start referring to as ASD for the sake of brevity, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people with ASD do experience um, mental health issues such as anxiety, which certainly comes up in this book. It's something that does impact on people in a lot of different ways, particularly as the world is designed for people who may be neurotypical, so that don't experience ASD. So Mm. people who have a different way of thinking and processing, trying to fit in in a world that's not necessarily designed for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Clinical psychologist Tony Atwood has this saying that you don't have a problem with autism, you have a problem with neurotypicals. Another interesting thing about this book is that it has a lot of parallels to the romantic comedy Pretty Woman. Uh, So it is Mm. essentially a gender-swapped and more diverse Pretty Woman. So, Yeah, this is probably a good time to confess that I never watched Pretty Woman in full. (laughs) I think I watched it many years ago. I I wouldn't – I don't have enough memory of it to give you a detailed critical (laughs) analysis of it though. So I remember thinking it was okay. It's one of those really well-known romantic comedies that has been reviewed to death and everyone has an opinion about Pretty Woman. (laughs) So as you may have gathered, we will be talking about these issues in our episode today. So we will, of course, be talking about autism spectrum disorder, um, as well as how that interacts with experiences of anxiety, in particular, the social anxiety that Stella experiences and sexual anxiety that she experiences too. Alongside this, just a note that we will be covering some discussion around toxic relationships. And because this is quite a steamy romance novel, there is a lot of sex in this novel and we will be talking about some of this. Once again, we will try to keep it PG, but... We can't. (laughs) There are a lot of sex scenes in this book. Um, Mm. But there, there will also be some discussion around things like consent and, as we mentioned, sexual anxiety, so how that impacts on Stella in particular in the bedroom. Another thing to just briefly note is that there is a character in this book who is living with and being treated for cancer. So keeping in mind that there there will be some discussions around that too. So we meet 30-year-old Stella Lane, a wealthy and successful econometrician 
So she's been diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, though we don't know this right away at the start. So we we meet her for the first time while she's at lunch with her parents. Stella's mom is pressuring her to find a husband. Stella feels really insecure about being in a relationship and sex, and you can see her thinking about poor past experiences with men. There are little hints about her Aspergers, so we see that she's not comfortable with touches that she's not initiated. She's had to learn unspoken. Social rules explicitly, so she, you see her thinking that she has to count the three in her head when she makes eye contact, for example. Mm, like it's not natural for her to hold eye contact with somebody. She has to consciously yeah. think about it. And she loves routines, and she can feel off balance if her routine is disrupted. At her office, she interacts with her colleague Philip, who tells her that she needs to be good at sex, which is gross. Blatant sexual harassment, yeah. really. Please don't. You know, say something like that to your colleagues. Not no. a good idea. Following from this discussion, Stella, who's a really logical person, she thinks, well, that makes sense. You know, it, I'm bad at sex. I need to get better at it. Therefore, I need to practice. So she then looks online for a professional escort, believing that they could help her learn about sex. So this is probably a good point for us to discuss what Asperger's or what ASD is in general. Priscilla, I suspect that you, based on your experiences, you probably know a bit more about ASD than I do, so I might throw over to you and jump in. (laughs) Sure. This is a neurodevelopmental disorder, so you're born with it, and there are two main characteristics to it. So one is difficulties with social communication skills. So that's difficulties with social interaction, um, and those unspoken social rules that everyone else might learn implicitly. The second has to do with repetitive motions and restricted interests. So those are things like doing something over and over again, having a really intense and highly focused interest. So Yeah, it can be mm. nearly anything, can't it? But... Yeah, that's right. So mm. interestingly, girls and women on the spectrum, their interests are often acceptable. So things like... Horses, games, toys, not unusual for a girl. So with the social aspect too, so girls tend to be better at masking the social difficulties of autism compared to boys. Mm -hmm. So girls tend to learn and adopt quite quickly what's expected of them, whereas that doesn't tend to happen quite so much for boys. And that's another reason why uh, this is picked up in girls quite a bit later. What is the difference between ASD and Asperger's? Asperger's is not a term that we use formally anymore. With the publication of Diagnostic and Statistical Manual 5th edition, or we'll call it the DSM-5 for short, that's been absorbed into the broader diagnosis of ASD. Mm. And Asperger's is would fit what is now known as Um, ASD without intellectual disorder. Mm. So essentially they were reviewing the diagnostic criteria and the scientific research around this and uh, the people behind this came to the consensus that there wasn't really enough evidence to say that autism and Asperger's were separate, that they are more on a spectrum. That makes a lot of sense because uh, people 
have lots of different symptoms that can be classified as autism spectrum disorder. And for some people, it is more mild. Yeah. And when we say spectrum, think of a, think of the color spectrum rather than a line. So that would give you an idea of the variety within this condition. So the other thing I just wanted to note at this point is that when we are starting to get a window into Stella's past relationships and her past sexual encounters, they have been pretty one-sided. So uh, with this, the pleasure aspect being very much focused on the man that she's been in the encounter with mm-hmm. and Stella has not been getting pleasure from her sexual encounters. Yeah. And I certainly don't think this is to this is necessarily a result of her being on the autism spectrum. In fact, I'd say that the guys that she's been having sex with have been real jerks. Yeah, you know, I think she is sort of blaming herself in these situations, but reading between the lines, I don't think it's her fault. But I can understand why that might lead to her becoming anxious, so worried about um, how she looks, about whether she's performing correctly, whether partner's going to judge her those kinds of things because she's had pretty negative experiences so far with sex yeah and I wonder if it's become a self-confirming cycle in the past for her because she's got this belief that she's because she's different she's not good enough and these experiences have confirmed that for her Mm. and therefore the the anxiety just continues yeah it's Mm self-perpetuating Anyway, once Stella decides to hire an escort, we end up meeting Michael. So Michael is a very handsome 28-year-old Vietnamese-American man who works as an escort. Um, So Michael escorts once a week, so just on Friday nights, to help pay for his mother's medical bills. So we learn later on that Michael's mother is um, experiencing cancer, very sadly. Mm -hmm. So Stella and Michael end up meeting in a hotel um, there's some slightly awkward introductions. Eventually they start to get intimate, but uh, after some trepidation, uh, you know, Stella freezes up pretty quickly. So mm. she enjoys kissing Michael and is very attracted to him but is sort of unwilling to go further and Michael doesn't want to push her to go further anyway. So yeah. that night they end up sleeping together but only in the literal sense. There's a clear comparison here between Michael, the way Michael looks, and an actor named Daniel Henney. So if you want to picture how handsome Michael is, Google (laughs) Daniel Henney. (laughs) On a more serious note, you can tell there's no explicit discussion about consent here, but Michael is very respective of Stella's boundaries. It's even that I feel is such a low, it's such a low bar (laughs) to praise him on. Her anxiety is very much in her body. So she completely freezes up and thankfully Michael is able to pick up on that. But I I don't want to give him too many cookies for that. No, you should just just do that for people. At least compared to some of the sexual experiences that Stella's had in the past, he is, you know, he's he's doing okay. (laughs) (laughs) So even though Michael does not do repeat clients typically that's a rule that he has as um part of his escorting Mm -hmm. but he does find Stella very attractive too and ends up agreeing to have further sessions um in which Stella creates a a bit of a lesson plan so the things (laughs) that she wants to go through and to experience yeah literally 
When the summary says Michael agrees to help her check off the boxes, she literally made the boxes. <laughs> and one other thing that Michael picks up on is that it's very sort of one-sided what she's expecting to get out of this. So in, mm-hmm. in the sense that it's very focused on the man's pleasure and yeah. not so much on her pleasure. So yeah, he, he gets her to write foreplay at the top yeah. of the checklist, for example. But Look, they, they don't end up following the lesson plan completely. No. Go a bit off topic. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, second session that they have together goes quite similar to the first. So Stella freezing up when it comes to getting more intimate. Michael realises that she never had foreplay and romance foreplay, romantic foreplay as well. So they went on a date. It was really cute and quite gross to watch I imagine because they started making out in the ice cream shop <laughs> but in you know when you're in Stella's shoes that's pretty hot yes yes mm-hmm. even though the bystanders are like get a room yeah <laughs> yeah so by the time she, you know they get to the hotel room she's relaxed and she's really into into it that certainly helps her in the bedroom to feel more comfortable yeah So the second session goes a bit further, but Stella puts the brakes again. Once they got close to her having an orgasm because she wasn't comfortable with sharing that moment with someone else, which is when Michael found out and was horrified that the other men she's been with never bothered to look after her. And Stella struggles with that vulnerability as well. Mm, Um, And... Yeah, it's all it's all new for her and she panics. Their next date, Michael takes her out dancing at a club, thinking that that will loosen her up. Mm, yeah, no, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, to in his defense, he doesn't know about her sensitivities at this stage. No. No, of course not. Uh so you know, for other clients, maybe that would be a good way to get them to to loosen up and to feel more comfortable with him, but probably not appropriate for Stella. So Mm. she becomes quite overwhelmed in this environment. So Mm. I don't don't like clubs very much either. Me neither. Uh, A lot of people with autism spectrum disorder are very sensitive to their environments. So things like noise and crowds and bright lights. So the sense of being overwhelmed in a sensory fashion Mm. so this would have been a challenging situation most likely for Stella even if what happens at the club didn't happen yeah and what happens at the club is Michael runs into a former client who forcibly kisses him not good no (laughs) Stella sees them kiss assumes that Michael enjoys that feels jealous and then she runs outside because she's overwhelmed by everything that's going on. Michael's cousin, Quan, who ran into them at the club, follows her outside and recognizes the signs of ASD because his brother is also on the spectrum. Stella confirms his suspicions, but Quan doesn't tell Michael. Mm. And Stella, of course, hasn't told Michael as well. Yeah, and this is the first hint that we have that Stella is quite ashamed of her diagnosis. She thinks about how people always change how they act around her or even leave her when they find out 
and she doesn't want Michael to do either of those things. I can definitely see where she's coming from. I'm sure she's had lots of bad experience. It's the sort of situation where I think if Michael had known this earlier, he probably is a decent enough person that he would have tried to to accommodate her earlier and to learn and ask her how he can Mm. better support her. But I think Stella's been socialised to be quite ashamed of her autism, which is a common very sad experience that a lot of people go through and certainly not fair on them to feel that. But when you're in a world that's designed for neurotypical people, it's Mm. understandable why people grow up feeling that way. Yeah, absolutely. So after that disastrous date, Stella proposes a new plan, asking Michael to be her pretend boyfriend instead so she can practice being in a relationship because she believes that she's bad at the romance part as bad as she is at the sex part. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. In typical romance fashion, I'm sure that's exactly how it will proceed. They will definitely remain pretend boyfriend and girlfriend and <laughs> will not develop feelings for each other. Uh, yep. I love this trope. A little bit cliched, but I still do enjoy this story. <laughs> and I, for me, I don't mind tropes and cliches when the characters have the spark. The characterization and the unique elements of the story certainly do give this an interesting angle, I think. Mm. What I want to note is by this stage, we see that Stella's not the only one struggling with identity. So Mm. Michael's father left the family with a mountain of bills and legal issues, and Michael keeps thinking that he's just like his father, a selfish asshole, basically, Mm. and that he's a bad person on the inside and he doesn't deserve someone like Stella, who he believes is someone who's good and kind and intelligent yeah they're both struggling with this sort of i'm not good enough belief Mm. which is really sad to see yeah so over time we do learn more and more about michael's background as well stella visits a dry cleaner slash tailor shop run by his mother and she finds him michael there quite by accident yeah surprisingly (laughs) yeah um Stella recognizes that Michael is a talented designer based on his work there and wonders why he's not designing full-time. Michael's mom invites Stella over for dinner because she thinks that they're dating for real. So at dinner, um, unfortunately, things don't go so well. So Stella comes into the house, which is quite noisy. There's a lot going on. Michael has um, quite a few siblings, so it's quite a raucous kind of house. Mm. She also accidentally insults Michael's mother. 
Stella also asks about Michael's father and in, a, in, in quite an abrupt sort of way, not realising the family history there. And Michael's mother tells her that he left the family and becomes quite upset. Some of this is you know, stuff that she wouldn't have known going in mm-hmm. and other parts are her struggling to read the social cues of the situation. Yeah, also not reading that when people ignore your question, there's probably a good reason for it. Mm, definitely. And, you know, at this stage, Michael is wondering if he should be ending the relationship, you know, thinking that it is wrong to be accepting her money as she's paying him for this this fake relationship as well as you know as we've spoken about wondering if this does um if there is a comparison with his father so who left the family and all the money troubles he had and Michael always compares himself to his father Mm. but the next day Stella brings chocolate to the dry cleaners to apologize to Michael's mother and Michael after speaking to Quan starts to realize that Stella is on the autism spectrum um, and that's a bit of a light bulb moment for him Michael decides to keep the relationship going, wanting to be near Stella. I sort of rolled my eyes in this scene because he was like, oh, so she's autistic. Oh, so she actually needs this practice for real. Oh, mm. I'm going to be a good person and help her. And that, that will prove that I'm not my son's fa- uh, my father's son. And I was like, sure, Michael. <laughs> yeah, it's just because you're being altruistic, not because you have feelings for her or you're extremely attracted to Stella. Over time, their relationship develops. Uh, Michael and Stella are clearly falling for each other. There are you know, multiple sex scenes where yeah. Stella's able to <laughs> relax and start enjoying sex. And it's not so much the kind of checklist situation. Yeah. It's more that they, they have more of this intimate sort of relationship. And it gets to the... <laughs> the climax of the novel, for lack of a better word. Yeah. <laughs> Stella invites Michael to a charity event. And before the event, Philip actually asks Stella to go with him. And uh, again, there's a forcible kiss. This happens a few times in this novel, unfortunately. But Philip forcibly kisses Stella, um, who then tells Michael about this and he becomes quite angry. Philip doesn't seem to care about what Stella feels about him, only that they both have issues, according to him, and therefore they'll be great for each other. Yeah, I don't know about that. So a quick note about Stella's job. She's an econometrician, as we mentioned, and her role is to basically work out algorithms for the recommended for you section in online shopping sites. She realizes that men stop buying underwear for themselves about two years prior to marriage. She then works out eventually that the main factor which she um, assigns the symbol beta to is love. So men stop buying underwear for themselves because their female partners start doing that for them, which the only aspect of this book that I found odd. I have been in a couple of long-term relationships and I don't think I've ever bought underwear (laughs) for my partner. I don't know, like you're an adult, buy it for yourself. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, I can't imagine buying underwear for another adult. (laughs) Yeah, look, I get that it's this whole thing about, you know, she loves maths, she loves numbers and calculations and, you know, finding this like Mm -hmm. love constant is, you know, this sort of like romantic thing. When you apply some critical thought to it, I don't really know if this equation would hold up in the real world. 
Yeah, and I just wonder, do people really do this? <laughs> <laughs> maybe some do. Yeah. I mean, maybe in some areas, some types of relationships. I don't like. I'm about the same age as Stella, and mm. if that's the case for men in general around this age, please buy your own underwear. Don't rely on <laughs> your girlfriend if you have a girlfriend to do yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway, um, at the charity event, Michael is not very comfortable. Stella's father is being quite judgmental. Michael becomes quite annoyed by Philip and saddened by this intellectual connection that he notices between Philip and Stella, becomes a bit uh, envious. And then Michael realises that his former client, who he ran into at the club earlier in the book, is also present and turns out to be Philip's mother. So drama Mm. Uh, so (laughs) that doesn't go down too well um there isn't I was sort of expecting a big like reveal in a public situation that Michael was a sex worker or something like Mm. that but that that doesn't happen however it still doesn't go well so Michael ends up breaking up with Stella believing again that he's not good enough for her But it is a bit of a misunderstanding because both of them still care deeply for each other and sort of have a misinterpretation about why this breakup has happened. You know, their core beliefs that they're not good enough are driving their interpretation of what the other person is saying or doing. Yeah, Michael's been watching this intellectual connection that Philip has with Stella and that's confirming his belief that he's not good enough for her. And as Michael is doing this you know, Mm. I'm not good enough for you, therefore I have to leave you thing. All Stella's hearing is that she's unlovable because of her ASD, because Michael said that at one, well, Michael didn't say those words, but he said that he knows she's autistic. And Mm. from that point on, all Stella's hearing is that he doesn't love her because she's autistic. Yes, which cannot be further from the truth. In any case, though, Michael and Stella are miserable, separated. Unfortunately, Stella decides that she wants to change herself and change her personality, blaming her autism for many things that have been going wrong, and sort of decides to put on this active front as somebody who's mm-hmm. neurotypical. Uh, so she asks Philip to dinner in an attempt to try to move on from Michael, you know, mm-hmm. like Stella, have higher standards for yourself. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> um The dinner, anyway, it doesn't go particularly well. Uh, Philip tries to kiss her and she turns away. Michael happens to be in the neighbourhood, sees this from the other side of the street and ends up punching Philip. And then, you know, eventually Michael realises that Stella does love him. He sends her flowers, asks her out to dinner. She initially rejects the offer, but he persists. Um, Mm. It gets to the point where he approaches her outside of her office and tells her that he loves her. One thing I just wanted to note about Stella's attempts to put on a different front uh, is that this this is something that's called masking. So something that often happens when people who are on the autism spectrum attempt to sort of blend in and to hide actively performing um, a social behaviour that is deemed to be more acceptable and hiding those that are deemed to be unacceptable. It's Mm. often in an attempt to fit in or to increase the connection with other people um, or to be seen as being more likeable. It's really difficult for people to keep up in the long term and can be really quite exhausting and often just doesn't really help the person in the long term. 
One thing I would note about this is that Stella's believes that her ASD is the problem is very much her beliefs and not the story's perspective. Her ASD is not the reason for her difficult sexual encounters in the past or other things going wrong. A lot of it is miscommunication and people being jerks. Yeah, definitely. And I feel that by the end of the novel, Stella starts to become more accepting of herself. So she drops the need eventually to continue this this masking. I'm not saying she won't ever mask again or, you know, count to three before yeah. um, dropping eye contact or that kind of thing. But compared to where she is at the start of the book, by the end of the book she has been taken on a bit of a journey and realises that it's okay to be autistic. It's just yeah. different. It's not bad. You know, by the end of the story, they do become engaged. Um, it is a happy ending. Yay. Michael's got a fashion line, he's doing well. Stella's accepted a promotion at work. Um, Stella wants to buy Michael a car, which he agrees to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it it all kind of wraps up quite nicely. You know, personally, I'm not a, a big fan of um, short engagement times. You know, three months later, they're engaged. <laughs> I just think it's not, you know, doesn't necessarily translate that well into real life although it is very Mm. romantic um it just made me think oh that escalated quickly Uh, (laughs) whereas I'm just like shh enjoy the happy ending (laughs) just enjoy this at least (laughs) (laughs) we're not in a romance novel for their realism okay we're here for the fantasy of it (laughs) Priscilla what were your favorite moments uh, well, like I said before, I love this book, so it's a bit of a challenge to narrow it down to just moments. But I would say that having a hot Asian male lead in a romance novel was a big deal for me. Asian males as romantic leads are not very common. as you know, Asians as leads in general are not common in Western pop culture, but I think... There are a lot of conversations to be had around why Asian men are not seen to be as attractive as other races, perhaps. Mm. Mm. And I like to think that's that's changing and part of it is certainly to do with representation. I mean, yeah. I feel like everybody was drooling over Henry Golding in Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's gorgeous. <laughs> Michael Fan might be the next big, um, you know, Asian romantic lead and I'd like to see that me too I also really loved Stella and Michael's date at the ice cream shop (laughs) and I also really enjoy Stella's character development and her learning to accept who she is and not be ashamed of well who she is because she always thinks about it as a disorder but I don't know I don't like to think of autism as a disorder because that's just part of who you are Anyway, oh, what about you, Elise? What what are your favorite moments from this book? Overall, I really enjoyed Stella's character development and how she becomes more confident in herself and her sexuality as well. I guess in terms of actual moments, I really enjoyed the scene where Stella meets Michael's family for the first time. I thought that was handled really well like there was quite a complex scene with a lot of different things going on and you could understand each character's motivation very well I thought yeah and it wasn't a case of you know any particular person being at fault though I will say Michael should have prepared her better for how many people were in that house on yeah. that night 
even just like an an introverted like anyone who's sort of mildly introverted yeah. would probably struggle with that type of situation what about your star rating what would you rate this out of five oh, i wonder <laughs> given how much i've said i love this book i give it a five stars i recognize that there are some scenes in there that are questionable like i said you know michael could have done things a bit differently at times but it's still I think overall as a romance novel this book really works for me (laughs) um I would give this book three and a half stars an enjoyable romance I did read it really quickly so I yeah it it was clearly a page turner in that sense Mm -hmm. yeah I, I did find it overall quite an enjoyable read a couple of things that I didn't like so much about the book I guess I did find Michael at times to be a bit possessive and Mm. I'm not a big fan of storylines where usually a male character is quite persistent and that's sometimes seen as being romantic and in real life I find that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Some of Michael's appeal is because the bar is set quite low. So, yes, he's attractive. He's... uh, good at responding to Stella's emotional needs and her needs in bed. Um, But I just found there were were quite a few moments in there where he didn't really, I didn't really see him as being that desirable as a romantic lead. Mm -hmm. And I wish that a few of those moments had been, you know, at least talked about a bit more or maybe, um, he'd been maybe reprimanded mm-hmm. some of those things because I'm not saying that throws him out entirely as being yeah. a romantic lead, but there were just a couple of things where I thought, I don't think this is actually that romantic. You know, some people have also noted that sometimes they feel that Michael might be pressuring Stella into some of the acts. And I think it's a bit of a fine line between encouraging her to push herself and try something new and pushing her when she's not ready. I don't think it's a case of him not respecting her consent but Mm. you know sometimes it is tricky to get that right and there were a few moments where I thought maybe it did sort of sneak into the the Mm. not quite okay territory but Mm. you know I'm I don't know it was it's complicated in this sort of situation one other thing I didn't love is you know similar to the original pretty woman the idea of a wealthy client kind of saving somebody from sex work or you know es- escorting in this situation is a bit problematic but I do appreciate that we get Michael's point of view and the gender flip aspect of it is is interesting and brings something quite unique to the story but yeah just a few aspects of it that did bring my star rating down a little bit So if you're interested in learning more about the mental health issues that we've covered today, check out our website. In particular, we'll be including information and resources around autism spectrum disorder, including resources about ASD in girls and women. We'll also include information about getting support for social anxiety and other types of anxiety. If you like this book and are interested in reading something similar, Helen Hong has written a second book called The Bright Test, which is Kai's story, and Kai is the other character in this book with ASD. The Hard Principle, which is Kwon's story, will be released in 2021. Another book that we would recommend if you liked aspects of this one is To All the Boys I've Loved Before and its sequels. So this is another book that features quite a cute uh, sort of main couple <laughs> and also features the fake romance turns real storyline with a mixed race couple. And if you enjoy the 
practice relationship trope. Tessa Dare's A Wick to Be Wicked follows the same storyline. It's a romance novel. Wonder what will happen. <laughs> will this fake relationship turn real? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> On our website, we will also be linking to a few reviews we found from people who have ASD who have read the book. Mm. So first of all, we'll link to Aria from Mama Autistic who gave the book five out of five. So Aria noted relating to a lot of Stella's experiences, including the relationship impacts. And Aria said, all in all, I thought it was great autistic representation. Stella was not a stereotype. Her entire personality was complex and varied. She's not just a list of deficits from the DSM. Her struggles with issues of internalized ableism and navigating the dating world while also respecting her own needs were very compelling. To contrast, Andrea from Love in Panels found the portrayal of autism to be too simplistic and one-dimensional, feeling that it lacked in depth. So as Andrea said, I don't need the joy of seeing myself represented on a page if it comes at the price of a character that remains deeply ashamed to be the way I am. So I guess Andrea felt the book didn't go far enough to challenge the notion that there's nothing wrong with being autistic. And, yeah, I guess this is interesting because some people with lived experience have found the book to be very compelling and very relatable and others have not. So I'm not saying that there's a, a right and wrong, just a bit of a difference of opinion in some of the readers here. Mm-hmm. Also on our website, we'll be including an article from Marie Claire from the perspective of sex workers who have spoken about their opinions about the original Pretty Woman and how it's impacted how a lot of people see sex work and what they understand sex work to look like. So um, a lot of opinions have gone around over the last few years around this. So I just thought it was important to provide some of this context considering the Kiss Quotient is a gender flip of Pretty Woman. For all of the above resources, recommendations, and an episode summary, check out our website, humblefeelings.com. You can also visit our mental health resources page to learn more about getting support for yourself or somebody that you care about, or to learn more about mental health in general. If you would like, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to ask us a question or just to chat, you can send us a message via our website or on social media. At the moment, we are on Twitter and Goodreads. Find us on Twitter at novel underscore feelings and on Goodreads via goodreads.com slash novel underscore feelings. And Priscilla, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at pavedwithbooks with an extra S at the end. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. Bye.